Blog Talk Radio. fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion, the number to call 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. Listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. Send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItGan. And while you're there, on Twitter, at GoForItGan, give me a follow, at GoForItGan. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by a couple members of the Super Bowl world champion Denver Broncos, linebacker Lorente McCray, and also offensive tackle, I mean, excuse me, offensive guard Evan Mathis from the Denver Broncos will be joining us as well as they discuss winning Super Bowl 50 in dominating fashion. Big-time performance by that Bronco defense, and ultimately that big-time performance got the Broncos a Super Bowl champion. But we're championship. We're going to talk to Evan Mathis. We're going to talk to Lorente McCray. We're also going to talk to a couple guys preparing for the upcoming NFL draft, which is right around the corner. Concordia University St. Paul linebacker Jordan Halverson will be joining us also. Josh Ferguson former University of Illinois running back will be joining us as well. So we're going to talk to them as we discuss the upcoming NFL draft and their prep for the upcoming NFL draft. Josh Ferguson just got an invite to the NFL Combine, which is next week, so that's big news for him. So we're most definitely going to talk to him about that. So great show lined up for you today. And as we go throughout the course of this show, we're going to talk NBA trade deadline in the second half of the NBA season, which is upon us. Peyton Manning, we're going to talk that as well. And we're going to get to a few other things as we go throughout these next two hours. Let's get right down to it. Let's start with what we saw yesterday with the NFL, excuse me, the NBA trade deadline. Not the big-time move as, as we like to see during the deadline. Dwight Howard, stay put. Not really surprising. Blake Griffin stayed put. So not really big names. And according to reports, the the Rockets really wanted something big for Dwight Howard. They wanted a lot for Dwight Howard. And, you know, they saw the front line. According to reports, they wanted a front-line player as well as a number one draft pick. So they wanted a lot to get rid of Dwight Howard, and we all know the issue, Dwight, and, and apparently him and James Harden aren't really getting along, and, you know, Dwight Howard and the Rockets team, a team that made it to the conference finals last year, you know, now this is a team that's struggling to make the playoffs. They fired their coach, Kevin McHale, thinking maybe that would turn things around. It didn't do it. Things didn't turn around. And now this Rockets team 
Bad, bad environment there. Just a bad situation in Houston. There's talent there. You figure you brought in Ty Lawson in the offseason. You would think that that would help their situation because you look at Houston, you're thinking this team didn't necessarily have a big-time point guard as they went through the conference finals last season. Patrick Beverly was out. They had to go with Jason Terry. And, you know, you figure Ty Lawson comes on in. You, you figure you add that to what you already have, and you thought good things. Good things. <clears throat> Excuse me. You thought good things were going to happen. Didn't do it. And, and it hasn't happened. And it's been a struggle for the Houston Rockets. Or whether it's J.B. Bickerstaff or whether it's Kevin McHale, it's been a struggle. And now, you look at this basketball team, and what's the future in Houston? Dwight Howard can opt out. Will he will he return to Houston after he opts out, or does he keep it moving? What happens? You know, so you, you got to talk about that as we you know as you move forward. So I mean, I, I think the Rockets most definitely should have been looking around. I think the Rockets most definitely should have been looking. For, for something. They most definitely should have been looking. Now, obviously, Dwight Howard is still a double-double guy in this league, still a rim protector, may not be what he once was, but he's still good. You you could do a lot worse than Dwight Howard, but again, if you're a basketball team and you don't know what are you going to, you don't know what's going to happen with Dwight Howard. You don't know whether or not Dwight Howard is going to resign. You know, you don't know what he's going to do. So because there's so much uncertainty, I mean, you can understand teams being very reluctant to part with a front-line player, to part with draft picks, because, again, you don't know the future of Dwight Howard. You don't know what Dwight Howard wants to do moving forward. You don't know. And you, you just wonder now, you you, you you had the situation with Howard and Kobe. They didn't necessarily get along. And now you got the situation with Howard and Harden, and these guys not getting along. It, it, you wonder what is the future of Dwight Howard in Houston. You wonder, does Dwight Howard opt out? He is going to opt out, but does Dwight Howard move on with his life? Does he move on with his life and go somewhere else? You wonder. But as you look at the trade deadline, you look at what went down, you, you, you look at who won, who lost, you, you got to look at, to me, I look at the Clippers. And, again, I'm not saying this acquisition is going to put the Clippers over the top. I'm not saying this acquisition is going to make them a threat to the Golden State Warriors, but I think it helps. I mean, you bring in a guy – you give up Lance Stevenson, you give up a future first-round draft pick, and hopefully you're good enough where that future first-round draft pick won't be much of a problem or an issue for you moving forward. But anyway, you look at it, you give up Lance Stevenson, who was struggling. You get a guy in Jeff Green who, who has versatility. You get a guy in Jeff Green who can, you know, if if you wanted to go small, say, against a Golden State Warrior basketball team, he helps. He most definitely helps because he's versatile, guard two to three positions. So 
He has versatility. He has versatility. You can play him at three. You can play him at the four. And, heck, if you're playing the Warriors, you probably can play him at some center. So he gives you versatility. And and this Clipper team, you know, without Blake Griffin, have really played fair. They play well without Blake. I'm not saying they're better without Blake, but they play well without him. And I'm not saying that they're going to surpass OKC. I'm not saying they're going to surpass the San Antonio Spurs. I'm not saying they're going to surpass the Golden State Warriors. But I think this helps. Gives them a chance, an opportunity. What do you do, though, in this situation? Some may say, you know what? This Golden State Warrior team is, is on an epic pace. You know what? This Golden State Warrior team is going to win 70-plus games. This Golden State Warrior team is better than they were a year ago. We have no shot. You, you hear Greg Popovich talking about, you know, this team is keeping me up late at night, so on and so forth. Are the Warriors unbeatable? Are the Golden State Warriors really unbeatable at this point? I mean, I, I can't say yes, but I, I'm going to say they're going to be tough to beat. It, it's going to be tough to beat Steph Curry and those boys. This team, as good as they were last year, 67 games last year won, 80-plus games overall, including the playoffs won by this basketball team, and they seemingly have gotten better. They've gotten better. So, I mean, it's hard to get better than 67 wins. It's hard to get better than that. And they, they found a way to do it. And, you know, if they finish the season 25-5, and five, which based off of what we've seen, it's not impossible, they're probably going to win 73 games and be known as one of the greatest teams ever. Ever. And so, are you, are you if you're the Spurs, if you're OKC, if you're the Clippers, do you say, you know what? We can't beat this team. Let's think about next season. No, of course you don't say that because San Antonio Spurs are formidable. I mean, OKC, you know, with Durant and Westbrook, they always got a shot. And, you know, the Clippers, if they can get Blake Griffin back and, you know, with the addition of Jeff Green, again, I'm not saying. I, I still put them the fourth team in the Western Conference where they're currently at. I, I still put them and keep them four behind OKC, behind uh, San Antonio, behind Golden State. They still haven't surpassed any of those teams. But I'm interested to see tomorrow. I'm interested to see how the Clippers do against the Golden State Warriors tomorrow. I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see, you know, the new-look Clippers, if you will, with with the addition of Jeff Green. I'm interested to see how the Clippers fare against that basketball team, against the Golden State Warriors. I'm interested to see. You know, I know it's a regular season game, and, and you know, I don't like to read too much into a regular season basketball game when it's, when it's one of 82. But I'm interested to see it. But I, I, I think that move was a good move for the L.A. Clippers. Again, I'm not saying to put some over the top. I'm not saying that they beat the Golden State Warriors because of Jeff Green. But I'm saying it, 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 they're, they're better today than I think they were yesterday. And that's all you can ask. 
you know, at the end of the day, you're better today than you were yesterday. But you also look at some of the smaller deals. You know, Marquise, Marquise Mars finally gets out of Phoenix. He's off to Washington now. And, you know, that, that should help the, that Wizard basketball team that seemingly has underachieved thus far this season. Uh, a team, you know, had a very good year last season. Now they're, they're barely struggling to make the playoffs at this point there. And if the playoffs were to start today, they would be out of the playoffs. They're two and a half games back at this point of the eighth spot. Obviously, there's talent there. Wall, Bradley Beal, there is talent there. And Washington, maybe this is the move that can, you know, get them back into that into the uh, playoffs. Maybe. But you, you just look at the Eastern Conference. Detroit has made some moves. Detroit has made some serious moves, uh, you know, getting a Tobias Harris who, you know, a young player. So Detroit, you know, but Tobias Harris, 23 years old, but Tobias Harris can play. He's got a decent skill set. So Detroit gets him now. And you look at the Detroit Pistons, you know, they get Monty Eunice as well. This team is looking also to make the playoffs. They want the playoffs. That's where Detroit is. They're, they're going to do what they got to do to make the playoffs. And Stan Van Gundy is out there making moves to help this team ultimately get to the playoffs. The Wizards made a move to get to the playoffs. And you look at the Chicago Bulls, they're slumping. Miami Heat, who is currently the fifth seed, you know, the, the Miami Heat, you know, you look at that basketball team and, and you know, Chris Bosh with the uncertainty, possible blood clots, you don't know. There's some uncertainty there. So you look at that basketball team, the Miami Heat, they might come back to the pack. So, you know, I mean, you, you understand the moves. The Wizards, they want to get to the playoffs, obviously. The Pistons, they want to get back to the playoffs. They want to get there, and they're half a game out. And, and they made moves to see if they can make that happen. We'll see. But I think the Pistons, again, today are better today than they were yesterday. The, the Cavaliers, they, they get their hands on uh, Channing Frye. A, a stretch four. He's a stretch four, a guy that can hit the three, a guy that can fill it up. They add him now to the mix. We'll see what it does for Cleveland. Does, does it put Cleveland, does it make Cleveland better? I mean, here's the thing. Cleveland is not putting things together to beat anybody in the Eastern Conference. They're not. They're not, they're not doing anything to beat anybody in the Eastern Conference. They're not. The reality is Cleveland is looking at San Antonio. Cleveland is looking at the Golden State Warriors. That's what they're looking at. They're looking at those teams. And so they're making moves for the Western Conference. That's why you look at it. You look at it, that's why David Blatt is no longer the coach. David Blatt is no longer the coach. David Blatt got to the West, got to the to the NBA Finals. He got to the Finals. That the, the move of Tyron Lue wasn't because of David Blatt's ability to get to the Finals. The move of Tyron Lue was so they can win in the NBA Finals. 
And I know you look at what happened with the Cavaliers last season. Injuries were huge, huge. That was not the same team that we saw throughout the course of the regular season. That was LeBron and everybody else. LeBron carried them to two victories, but it wasn't enough. It was not enough. But, you know, he he did what he could do. And it's not like David Blatt did a bad job. I I think it's a byproduct of, at the end of the day, they feel like Tyron Lue can do better. They feel like there was something missing with that basketball team, and we'll see what happens. But I think, you know, the biggest story of the second half is what the Golden State Warriors are going to do. Again, 25-5, and if they can do that, which is very possible based off that 48-4 and start. If they can do that, they will get the 73 uh, victories. And and so, again, and, and if they ultimately win the championship, now we're talking about maybe the greatest team of all time. And we can argue who will win between the 96 Bulls and this uh, version of the Golden State Warriors. I don't know. I mean, we can speculate all you want. But I know this, Michael Jordan, you know, he never lost in the NBA Finals, 6-0. and that, That's what I know. And, and so, you know, that, that would be fun. But, again, you, you can always look at those type of things and, and, and say what would have happened is this, that, and what have you. We can all look back. We can all speculate. But we really don't. No, we just don't. But, anyway, last week during the All-Star game, and, again, the All-Star game is a boring situation anyway. Any All-Star game is boring. NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, they're all boring. You know, they're not all – they're not – it's not real. It's an ex- exhibition. It is what it is. But I will say this, the NBA does it the best. With the weekend, with the three-point shooting contest, and the return of the dunk contest. And, you know, Zach Levine, sick. Aaron Gordon, sick. I mean, both of those guys, ridiculous. No one should have lost. I mean, there were no losers. And they were saying that on the telecast, and it's so true, there were no losers. I mean, Aaron Gordon, you know, takes the ball, and, and it looks like he's, he's taking his seat in midair. You got Zach Levine going between his legs from the foul line, a little bit in, little, little bit in but my goodness, between the legs. Zach Levine with the windmill from the foul line. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Now, we, you know, we, we can say, well, Dominique and Michael Jordan, we can look at that, uh, that dunk contest many moons ago. But I will say this, those dunks in comparison to the dunks that we saw last week, I don't think there's really any comparison. The dunks that we saw last week were ridiculous. And, you know, I I talked about this, I talked about this a couple years ago and just watching the dunk contest. And you know what? I'm starting to get a little scared from this standpoint. I'm starting to get a little scared from the standpoint that somebody might get hurt. I mean, somebody really, really might get hurt. You know, at some point, you know, you keep pressing the envelope and pressing the envelope and pressing the envelope, something's going to happen. I hope not. I I, I hope nothing happens. But the, the, the things that these guys are doing, dunks that these guys are doing are ridiculous. And here's the thing, and I've always said this as well. The reason the dunk contest 
is not getting as much love as it once did is because who's doing the dunking? It's not like Dominique Wilkins is dunking. we got Zach Levine. Well, Dominique Wilkins was, was a big-time player. Zach Levine, you know, he's coming up. Aaron Gordon, he's coming up. Michael Jordan was a big-time player. Aaron Gordon, he's coming up, possibly. But you look at the stars in the dunk contest with Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan. You had stars. Stars. And you look at the three-point contest. You have stars. Steph, Clay, Harden. Stars. And, you know, stars make it more exciting. It, it, it is more exciting when, when Steph Curry is shooting threes. He's the best at it. He's the best play, one of the best players in the league, if not the best player in the NBA. He happens to be one of the best three-pointers, the three-point shooters in this league, and he's, he's in the contest. So it becomes a marquee event. All-Star Saturday night was big time. All-Star Saturday night was fun. All-Star Saturday night lived up to, well, I don't know how much hype was going into, how much hype there was going into it, but it, it, it was big time. And we enjoyed it. And, and so next year, maybe we'll have Gordon Levine, too. And then maybe somebody else will step up. Obviously, you look at LeBron James. At this point, we've always wanted LeBron to step up and, and do the dunk contest. But at this point, at, at his age, it's probably a done deal. He's not going to do it. If he hasn't done it yet, he's probably not going to do it ever. And it would have been cool. It would have helped the event. But he's not going to do it. But at the end of the day, Zach Levine, a two-time dunk champion, comes back again. Maybe he can do a three. can be three in a row for him. Hopefully Aaron Gordon comes back. And, again, hopefully somebody else steps up and, and, and you know, puts on a show and, and pushes Aaron Gordon and pushes Zach Levine. We'll see. But it was fun. All-Star Saturday night was fun. The game, the game was the game. I mean, it is what it is. You can complain there was too many points, no defense. Blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, what do you expect? What do you expect these guys to do? I mean, I don't blame these guys. I'm not saying they would have gotten hurt, but I don't blame these guys. You know, this is an exhibition. At the end of the day, if you get hurt during an all-star game, you hurt your team. So is it really that serious? Is it really that important? No, not at all. So the point I'm saying is this. You know, it was, it is, it's an all-star game. It's an all-star game. Is it better than the Pro Bowl? Yes. Is it better than the NHL all-star game? Yes. Is it better than the MLB all-star game? And that actually means something. Yes, it is. It's better than all those games. Those games are unwatchable. At least the NBA all-star game is watchable. I'm not saying it's a great watch, but it's watchable. It's It's watchable. You can't say that about the Pro Bowl. I don't know how anybody can watch the Pro Bowl. I don't know how you can you can watch it. You can't. I don't know how you can do it. It's boring, absolutely boring. So I don't know how anybody can watch the Pro Bowl. And if you you watch the Pro Bowl, kudos to you. I'm happy for you. I hope you enjoyed it. But I can't do it. You're a better person than me if you can watch the Pro Bowl. It's just not watchable. But it rates. People love it. It's the NFL. And everything that the NFL does, you know, turns to gold. It's just the way it is. The NFL is king when it comes.
to all the leagues here in the United States. Let, let's go to Peyton Manning now. And you look at Peyton Manning, and first of all, you, a few weeks back you had the HGH allegations. Now you have the allegations of an alleged sexual assault that happened 20 years ago. And and here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know what? At, at the end of the day, we have to realize and, and, and understand people are people. And no matter what status you have in life, no matter how much money you have, no matter how well you can throw a football, no matter how well you can dunk a basketball, no matter how far you can hit a baseball, no matter how hard you can slap a puck, it, it doesn't matter. You are human. So being human means you do human-like things. And again, if Peyton Manning, in fact, sexually assaulted that woman many moons uh, 20 years ago, it's not acceptable. I, I'm not saying, it, I'm not excusing Peyton Manning whatsoever. It's dead wrong. It's dead wrong. And so at the end of the day, Peyton Manning, but I, I, Peyton Manning is human, just like you, just like me, puts his pants on. Just like you, just like me, his underwear on, just like you, just like me. But I know, I, I guess, and here's the thing. You know, it happened when he was a young kid. And sometimes we, we sometimes try to, try to lie our way through certain things or try to avoid certain things. But I, I think, you know, he could have easily, if the allegations are, he, he pulled his pants down, he uh, tried to put his genitals and, and his butt in the, in the face of this trainer, if, in fact, that is true. You know, and, it's, again, not acceptable by no means, but if Peyton Manning back then would have, would have said, you know, it was a youthful indiscretion, you know, if, if he would have just said, you know what, I made a mistake, I'm only human, I make mistakes, you know, I was young, I just did something stupid, I'll never do something stupid like that again, if Peyton maybe would have said that many moons ago, maybe this is not much of an issue, but maybe also at the same time he's not the icon that he is now. But I will say this, I think he still would have been. Because you look at people have short memories. They have short memories. We can People lashed out on Michael Vick about the dogs and everything, but Michael Vick made a comeback, got himself another $100 million contract. And I know people really didn't forget but he was able to get some endorsement deals as well. So he was able to make a comeback. You look at Kobe Bryant and his situation in Colorado. You know, we tend to forget about that, that, that incident, that situation. We forget about it. And, and so I guess the point I'm trying to make is, you know, people forget, and, and they forget kind of fast. Sad. And I mean, it's, it's at times, sad people forget. They don't stick to something very long. They forget, and they forget quickly. And so, I think Peyton Manning, even with this situation, still could have overcome this situation. Still could have done it, if in fact he did it, and he just told the truth. I think he could have overcame this situation. But I think, obviously, with this situation. And then with the whole HGH situation, obviously we we we, we got to look at Peyton a, a little differently now. We we do most definitely have to look at those allegations, those HGH allegations, maybe a little harder. We have to look at Peyton a little bit now, 
a little more than we once did. I, I think we do. That doesn't take away from his greatness on the football field. It doesn't. May take away, you know, what we believed about him as a man. You know, it's just us. It's, we're not his family. We're not his family. And I know Peyton post career wants to would like to do some things. Ultimately, you, you'll probably see him on TV at some point somewhere. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, Peyton, you came out hard against the HGH allegations, and we haven't heard anything from you yet when it comes to this. Should he address it? I think if he addressed the HGH allegations, he should address this as well. And maybe at some, maybe his team is putting together some kind of something where he will, in fact, at some point address these allegations. Maybe. But you look at it, and I think at this point we do have to look at Peyton differently, but I also have to think and, and, and have to say this. He's human, and, and he's human, he's flawed, just like everybody else. So, you know, we can sit there and, and you know, say this, that, or what have you about Peyton Manning, but at the end of the day, He's no different than you and I, and 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 that's okay. A little different because I don't wouldn't do anything like that, but I wouldn't it'd be sexually assaulting any type of woman or female. But it, at this point, it's all allegations, really. It's all allegations at this point. But we'll see how this story plays out. I, I think we all look at Peyton a little differently today than we did uh, last weekend. And, I mean, I just, I just think that's what it is. We look at Peyton Manning and view Peyton Manning a little differently than we did last week. And, you know, at, at this point, I think Peyton's going to walk off into the sunset. I, I don't think Peyton's going to continue to play. I, and I think based off his performance in the playoffs, based off his performance in the Super Bowl, I, I think it would be in the best interest of Peyton Manning to move on with his life. He's just not the quarterback that we all knew and loved many moons ago. He's not that guy no more. And he never will be that guy anymore. And, that, you know, and that's reality. That's just that's what it is. Babe Manning is not that guy anymore. He's not that superstar quarterback that he once was. He's not the guy that can carry a team. He got carried this time. He may, he may, he may have carried those Colts teams a bunch of different times to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl and beyond. But now Peyton Manning jumped on the backs of Von Miller, jumped on the back of Shane Ray, Akeem Tlaib, Chris Harris Jr., jumped on all those boys' backs. Malik Jackson jumped on his back. He jumped on the back of the defense. He played the role of Trent Dilfer. He was Trent Dilfer. It's okay. He won a championship. But he was Trent Dilfer. And so when you see a guy with the greatness of Peyton Manning, you don't want to see him become Trent Dilfer. And that's not a knock on Trent Dilfer. That's just talking about the greatness of Peyton Manning. You don't want to see him become Trent Dilfer. That's what he was. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see your stars become Trent Dilfer. You know what, Michael Jordan, when he came back with the Wizards, you saw, you saw a guy who was mortal. You, you saw a mortal Michael Jordan. You didn't see that when he left, before he left. You didn't see that when he, when he had that walk-off shot against Byron Russell. You didn't see that. But when he came back with the Wizards, you saw a mortal Michael Jordan. You, you saw a guy who was human. 
You saw a guy who who I lost, who I lost it. Still could play, but he lost it. Peyton Manning's numbers were not good in the Super Bowl. Were not good in the regular season. He just really wasn't that good. But he managed the game. He managed to beat the Patriots. He managed to beat the Denver, uh, the uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers, and ultimately he managed to win a Super Bowl. So Peyton Manning. You know, but I think at the end of the day, it's time for him to go. And hopefully he does go. And that's not a bad thing. Let's just just hope he goes. And we'll see what happens with this story as it moves forward. Will we we hear more? Ultimately, will uh, Jamie Nallwright, will she speak out at some point? We'll see. We'll see. But let's – I'm looking at today, and and I remember last year we, we talked about the Dallas Cowboys, right? And in the draft, you know, they, they were able to get Randy Gregory, who slipped. And, you know, one of the reasons he slipped was because of failed drug test. And now, Randy Gregory has been, has been suspended four games by the NFL for violating the substance abuse policy. So, Randy Gregory, you know, the reason teams were running far, far, far away from you was because you couldn't stop smoking weed. And, and I, look, maybe marijuana should be legal, maybe. But, my goodness, dude, like, look, your job says you can't smoke weed. So why are you smoking weed? Like, if your job says you can't smoke it, you can't smoke it. Like, I, I mean, I understand a lot of people smoke weed. I know it's, it's legal in Colorado. I get all that. But your job says that, Randy, you're not allowed to smoke weed. That's what your job says. So if your job says it, then you have to abide by those rules. It's pretty simple, man. you got all this money in front of you. It's simple. And to me, if you got, if, if you, if your job says, well, first of all, if you're Randy Gregory and you had the issues, you know, the failed drug test uh, uh, at the combine, you got all that. If you had that situation already, if you've had that situation already, like, what are you doing? You're a guy, you've already ran into that problem. You've already tested positive at the combine. You mean to tell me you can't stop smoking weed? And obviously... If you can't stop smoking it, it means that you have a problem. You need to address it. You need to address it. Because now you're messing, you already messed with your money initially when you failed the drug test at the combine. You were a first rounder, dude. You, you, sorry, you messed that up. You were a first round guy. And you tested positive, you messed it up, and now you're going to miss four games in 2016. Affect your money, right? You know, the possibility you could lose a 370000 guarantee in his 2016 base salary. So basically, in, in order for him to have been suspended four games, he'd had to have failed three tests during the season. Come on, man. Three times? 
Three times? I guess the third time was the charm. I mean, I, I don't know, man. But you're a guy who, like I said, already messed up your money. Your money was already messed up by you smoking weed. Your money already got messed up. And you went out of the first round instead of getting, you know, you know, instead of getting slotted for more money, instead of getting first round money, you got second round money. I mean, in reality, it's sad. It really is sad that you see a guy who has so much opportunity in front of him. It's sad when you, when you see a guy with this much opportunity in front of him, with an opportunity to make you know millions, an opportunity to play the game that you love, an opportunity to play in the National Football League where people would die to get into the National Football League. And, again, I understand you need exceptional talent to get to the National Football League. I understand all that. And I understand that everybody's not going to be able to play football in the NFL. I get that as well. But what I don't get is guys. Well, I mean, I guess it's nothing for me to get. But if your job, and I know he's 23 years old, but you still have to have a level of responsibility. To whom much is given, much is expected. That's just life. But my thing is, dude, do you have to smoke weed if you know that smoking weed will get you in trouble? Do you have to smoke weed if you know that smoking weed is going to get you suspended? Do you have to smoke weed when you already failed your drug test three times and now, I mean, come on, come on. I mean, it's it's just mind-boggling. To, as as I'm talking about, it's like I, I can't really put my hands around it and understand why. But as I look at it, the only thing I can think of is that he has a problem. And people have problems. You know, addiction is a disease. People say you can't get addicted to marijuana, but what do you call this? What do you call this? Uh, if this ain't an addiction, I don't know what it is. This sounds like an addiction. This sounds like a man who can't stop smoking weed. Can't do it. And, you know, part of that could be his circle. Get your circle right, man. You've got to get your circle right. If your circle ain't right, it's going to be very difficult for you to be right. Because you're, you, that's your circle. Those are the dudes, the people that you run with. If the people that you run with ain't right, it's going to be difficult for you to be right, man. And, and so you need to get right, Randy Gregory. You need to be smarter, Randy Gregory. You failed four drug tests, man. Four. And now you're missing game checks. Now you're taking money off the plate of people in your family. You're taking food off people's table because you can't stay off the weed. Because you're, you can't stop smoking weed. It, it's pretty that it, it's pretty much that simple. But at the end of the day, you hope Randy Gregory is better for it. And I don't blame the Dallas Cowboys for drafting him in the second round. I would have took the same chance. You know, they took the same chance with Lyle Collins as well. I don't blame them for doing that as well. I, I don't blame that at all. You know, you took a chance on Lyle Collins, and ultimately that worked out for you. And, and so. We'll see. We'll we'll see what happens. 
with Randy Gregory moving forward, and we'll see if he can become a better person moving forward. We'll see. But, you know, it's just mind-boggling. I don't know what to say, what else to say about it. So I'm not going to say any more. LaShawn McCoy. And, you know, we all heard the situation with LaShawn McCoy and everything that's going on there. And, And obviously we hope that that situation works out. We hope. We pray for LaShawn that that situation works out, but we'll see. You know, and, and we hope that justice is served ultimately at the end of the day. We hope. But we'll get to that in a moment. We'll get back to that. But we'll be back in a moment. You listen to Go For It Black Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around you. I yeah, just don't know yeah, what you're capable on, of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. Go for it. Blogtalkradio.com. Talking sports. Having fun. Doing it. We're about to bring in a guy now, preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. NFL draft, April, April 28th. So it's it's upon us. It's the NFL draft season, and we're going to bring in a guy who's preparing for that upcoming NFL draft. Let's bring him in now. Concordia University, St. Paul, former Concordia University, St. Paul linebacker, Jordan Hoverson. Jordan. Hey, hi. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, man? Good, good. How you doing? Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Regional Combine coming up for you in Minnesota, March 5th. You know, obviously a lot of pressure for you, small school guy. What's your mindset? How do you approach that? I mean, I just got to go at it, put everything I have into it. I mean, I've always been the underdog. I mean, from my days of getting recruited from high school and all that. You know, I'm just... um, Signed with a good agent, you know, signed with or um, trained with some good guys right now. So just trusting the process right now and going day by day. How's the training been going? Do, do you feel like you're in the best shape of your life? Oh, yeah, no doubt. I'm definitely in the best shape of my life. I mean, I mean, just how they have me eating, the, the type of training I'm doing right now. Um, the nice thing about it is I've been with this trainer already for about three years. So I kind of knew what was going to go on, but it's a different type of training, obviously, getting ready for the combine and stuff. And, you know, eating super clean, the right amount of calories, the exact amount, all that stuff, eating at the right times, all that stuff, you know, starting to see muscles, I mean, I didn't think I ever had. Okay, so what's it like, man, seeing those muscles that you thought you never had? I I mean, it's nice to look in the mirror now, you know. I mean, it's always been nice, but... 
Okay. All right. All right. All right, sir. <laughs> Let me ask you that. You know, obviously, you know, being a small school guy, people have not seen you play. A lot of people out there have not seen you play. For those right. who have not seen you, describe what you bring to the, to the table. Describe your game. Man, I'm a I'm a very athletic, um, vocal middle linebacker. Um, very physical. I mean, I just put it all out on the field and. Uh, I mean, I was a great leader also throughout my career at Concordia. Um, and I'm just a ball hop. I mean, I'm always at the ball, um, tackles. So I'm always around the ball. For sure. We're talking to Concord, former Concordia University St. Paul linebacker Jordan Hoverson. And, and Jordan, small school kid, as we said, does that put a little extra chip on your shoulder, you know, going out there and, and trying to prove yourself to everybody? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, being a small tool guy and then not being on many people's radars, I mean, it, it just comes nat- nat- or natural that I have that chip on my shoulder. I mean, and that's how I've always been throughout my life, you know. Like I said earlier, I was always the underdog type guy. And uh, definitely being a small school guy and, you know, seeing small school guys do it before and have success at that level, you know, it's always, you know, rewarding and makes it, easier, you know, knowing that it's something that can happen, you know. Now, you played middle linebacker in college. Is that where you want to end up at in the, on the pro level? Do you want to stay in the middle? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to stay in the middle in a 3-4, in a, uh, you know, 4-3. I might be on the outside. I mean, just wherever, wherever they plug me, I'll play. All right, all right. We're talking to former Concordia State, excuse me, Concordia University, St. Paul linebacker, Jordan Hoverson. And I want to ask you this. And you're a guy during your high school years, you were, you were homeless for, the, for a period of time. And how much did that experience shape who you are today? Oh, I mean, it was the most humbling experience of my life. Um, earlier on, you know, going to school, um, not knowing where I was going to sleep the next night or, you know, my mom did a good job. She did the best job she could, you know, giving me food and stuff like that. I mean, but not really knowing, I mean, ninth, 10th grade, 11th grade, um, not knowing where I was going to sleep at night, you know, it was kind of embarrassing, you know. Sometimes going to school, maybe sometimes I haven't ate. Sometimes, you know, I might show up, you know, I have the same clothes on as I did the day before. I mean, it's really embarrassing, but, you know, I always knew God had a plan for me, and that was just something that he put in my life to humble me at that time, and, you know, it's made me stronger. And I know that I went through that at that young of an age and seen all the other stuff I was going through also. You know, I'm I'm ready for anything, you know, that life throws at me. Now let me ask you this now. you, you Obviously you're preparing for this draft. You're preparing for the regional combine coming up. But as you approach this draft, as you approach this combine, what do you feel like you need to improve on to ultimately get drafted or if not get drafted, get picked up after the draft and to ultimately stay in the NFL? What do you need to work on? I mean, a guy like me coming from a small school, small school, I believe that um, I'd have to work on things such as like being that ultimate glue guy, the special teams guru, the guy that will, you know, can be able to play all the snaps on special teams and then, you know, Hopefully, the plan is, you know, get defense snaps also. But I know 
to get on a team right away. I'm going to have to be that special teams guru and mm-hmm. be able to play all special teams and be versatile in that way. So I'd say the thing that I'd have to work on the most is just being versatile and being able to play every special team. Okay. We're talking of former Concordia University St. Paul linebacker Jordan Hoverson. And, Jordan, I want to ask you this. And You know, I, I was reading somewhere where Ray Lewis was your guy. That was the guy that you looked up to. Do you pattern your game after Ray, or did you pattern your game after Ray Lewis? Man, I love Ray Lewis. Um, he's just someone I always, you know, YouTube, you know, YouTube his highlights, YouTube all his motivational speeches and, I mean, he has real good messages and good words throughout his, uh, you know, messages and all that. And, um, yeah, I mean, I love, I mean, uh, yeah, you can say that I, uh, you know, I'm kind of like him. You know, I'm very vocal on the field and always yelling. And maybe it's not always talking, you know, stuff to the other team. It's, you know, just to get me ready, you know, get me focused. You know, I'm just talking like that. And, yeah, I did, you can say, uh, kind of molded my game after him, you know, watching him for so many years growing up. Now, now Jordan, I wanted to ask you this now. and You're a lifelong Minnesota Vikings fan. You're from the Minnesota area. What would it mean to you to get an opportunity with the Minnesota Vikings? I know you want to get in the league, but what would it mean if right. you were able to hook on with the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I'd be the, you know, it'd just be the ultimate, you know, dream and goal, you know. Since I was five years old, you know, I've always said I wanted to play for the Vikings and put those horns on. I mean, it'd just be a ultimate dream and goal come true. Um, it'd be unbelievable. But like you said, don't matter where I end up, I'll just go anywhere. Cause, you know, that's, I just want to play football. For sure, for sure. And at the end of the day, why should anybody, any team, give Jordan Hoverson an opportunity in the National Football League? Um... I'm a workhorse, you know. I'll do anything coaches tell me to do. I mean, I put my whole life into this whole situation. And, you know, I just really think if I got a shot there that I'm going to hold on to it and I'm not going to let it go, you know, until the body says I can't do it no more, obviously. But I'm going to just take it, take that up, little opportunity that gives me and they won't ever, you know. Uh, look back at it and think it was a bad decision because I'm going to hold on onto it and just keep working, getting better, perfecting my craft. And, uh, you know, I want to be ungrateful. And it's a blessing to even be considered to be able to play at that level. So after the regional combine, March 6th in Minnesota, what, what's kind of next for you? Um, I'm going to do that regional, obviously. And then... uh Actually, a couple of days after, depending on where scouts and how I perform at the regional, and that, that Monday coming up after is the University of Minnesota Pro Day that I might probably will um, attend also. And then uh, hopefully get into a rookie camp, and then that's when I got shown that I belong there. For sure, for sure. So... We have, like you said, regional combine, and after that, hopefully the sky's the limit for you. And, and obviously, as you prepare for this draft, it's got to be busy for you day in and day out. Take us through the day in the life uh, of Jordan Hoverson as as he prepares for the NFL draft. What's a, what's your life like now, man? Man, it's a little it's a little different than the big school guys that are down in 
Arizona or Florida or California getting ready. But, uh, you know, I wake up early. We got uh, early morning workouts with uh, out at ETS with my trainer, Ryan Engelbert. We go there for about two, two and a half hours. And then uh, after that, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm uh, kind of just living the life right now. I'm just kind of hang out, take care of my body, foam roll, um, do all that good stuff. I might go, because uh, Concordia, we have our own dome up here in Minnesota, you know, need that. Okay. So can use the field to work on my footwork or my steps and linebacker drills that we're going to do at the regional combine, you know. And then every, you know, every couple hours, you know, is my set time to eat. Um, I'm also... Uh-huh attending grad school right now, but it's a little different. Right. I only have one class, one night class on Thursdays for an hour, so it's not a big workload or taking me away from my football, obviously. If it was, I wouldn't be in it right now, but, you know, just getting some more education while I can. So that's about my week and my day looks like. All right, so so ultimately, you know, I saw that you, you – <laughs> You, you were like, I, I guess you're you're a teacher, or you you've done some student teaching, or is is that like the backup plan if this doesn't work out? Yeah, um, I have a passion for uh, you know helping kids out. I mean, uh, my grad school is uh, educational leadership, so I mean, just like we were talking about earlier, I was homeless and sometimes didn't know which way to go in life. You know, I could have went the wrong way. You know, went to the streets and all that stuff, but um, I had teachers and, uh, you know, people that were leaders of the school, principals, AD, that, you know, looked out for me and, you know, changed my life for the better. And I feel like once I'm done with my football stuff, I owe it, you know, to those kids that are going through the same stuff I went through back in the day, you know, help them, you know, be a positive influence and role model in their lives, so... I have a passion for that also. For sure. Fans, support this man's journey. Go to J.D. Hoverson 6, follow him on Twitter there, and support all the great things going on with J.D. Hoverson. J.D., not J.D., yeah, but they, that's, your, <laughs> that's your Twitter name. Jordan, right. pleasure mm-hmm. talking to you, man. Wish you nothing yeah, thank but you. the best of luck moving forward. Let's do this again. Yes, sir. Thank you. Take care. You too. Jordan Hoverson, linebacker for former linebacker for University of Concordia, St. Paul. You're listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, (laughs) too, man. (laughs) Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you you have a pedigree. (laughs) We see what you can do. We've seen it. (laughs) I would never bring my wife around, too. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on, now. Come on, now. That's all right. That's that rock. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir.
you make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- and we're back. BlogTalkRadio.com slash began. Paul Gann here talking sports. Go for it here. We're going to bring in a guy now. Uh, Super Bowl 50, the Denver Broncos shocked the world. They didn't shock this guy, but they shocked the world, and they beat the Carolina Panthers last time we had him on. He basically guaranteed that the Denver Broncos will win Super Bowl 50, and they, in fact, got it done. Let's bring him in now. Broncos linebacker, Lorente McCray. Lorente. Hey, what's going on, Paul? How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm all right. And, and last time we had you on, man, you basically guaranteed victory. And at the time, you know, to be honest with you, I thought you were a little crazy. I didn't think the Carolina Panthers would lose that particular game. But how did you know? Um, you know, just uh, if God had already told us a long time ago, you know, along his journey that there was going to be a lot of adversity and that uh, people weren't going to believe in us. But, you know, we can, we kept our faith on God. And, you know, there's a lot of believers on our team. And, you know, God just he showed us his grace and mercy as we played those the Carolina Panthers in the Super Bowl. So you feel like you you knew it. God had already told you, uh, you know, a long time ago during the season that this was going to happen. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, wow. at the beginning of the season, he had already told us that we were going to be a historic team and that one of our defense was going to be one of the best of all time and that, you know, we had nothing to worry about. We just had to put in the work you know, to fulfill our destiny that he had already had for us. And, you know, that's what we went out there and did in Super Bowl 50 as, you know, we, we took the wheel out of the Carolina Panthers. For sure. And then you took the wheel out of their star quarterback, Cam Newton. You sacked him seven times. You harassed him throughout the game. I mean, you were in the face of Cam Newton. What was the game plan going into that game to, to stop Cam Newton, that Carolina Panther offense? Um, you know, the game plan was the game plan was simple. You know, it was do what we've been doing all year. You know, uh, we didn't we didn't do anything special. We didn't send any trickeration at them. We didn't send them any type of you know different pressures that they haven't seen on film. You know, the film the film is is honest. You know, the honest guy never lies. So, I mean, if they watch film on us, then they know what we've been doing all year, and we watch film on no guys, so we knew that. We didn't have to do anything special to beat them. We know that they didn't really play anybody all year, and that once we hit them in the mouth from the first play, that they were they were going to be on their toes. For sure, and you guys hit them in the mouth early, and you hit them in the mouth often, and you hit them in the mouth throughout the course of that game. You know, coming into the game, you know, a lot of the talk was about Cam Newton. We saw Cam and, and those boys dabbing, you know, and, and, and doing all that type of stuff. Did, did did that kind of stuff motivate you, knowing and, and, and trying to shut down Cam Newton, trying to stop him from doing all those dances and those first down signals and all that stuff? I mean, we like I said, we, we, we have been watching film, you know, for the two weeks before the game, leading up to the game. And, and that stuff, you know, is, is, is real commercial to us. But, you know, our defense is for real. You know, commercials ain't real. But that defense is for real. So they can do all that showboating and celebrating. Well, defense winning championships. For sure. And in this era of offensive football, defense still and always wins championships. We're talking to Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray. And Lorente, obviously, you know, you look at it, underdog against the Patriots, underdog against the Panthers. That underdog stuff, did it motivate you guys? 
Well, you know, you know, throughout the whole year, I mean, if you look at our games, you know, we've actually answered the bell when we we've been underdogs. When they underrated us, we always answered the bell. If you look at our games, the games we lost, you know, we lost to teams that we were we were uh, predicted to beat, and all the games that we were predicted to lose, we won. You know, so we always answer the bell when when they call us out and say that we can't compete with the team. It started off with the Green Bay Packers. We were both six and zero. And they was talking about how great Aaron Rodgers is and how they were the best six and zero team in the league at that time, and, and we showed the world. But they still doubted yeah. us throughout the year. For sure, for sure. And I was one of them who doubted you guys throughout the course of the year. And and I look as I look at the game, you 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 had an impact on the game. You made a key block in that big Jordan Norwood punt return that ultimately set up a field goal. Talk about that play and, and how shocked were you when the when the Panthers players did not tackle Norwood. Um, you know, coming into that game, our, our special teams coordinator, Joe D. Camellis, he had gave us an important stat in the, uh, the, the week before the game, and he told us that there's never been a punt return scored in, in the Super Bowl. So that was one of our goals going into the game is to score a punt return touchdown to make history. You know, we came up a little short doing that, but we still made history with the longest punt return field. Uh, punt return in the um, Super Bowl history. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a bummer that we didn't get to fulfill our goal, but, you know, hey, we, we didn't come up short and we still made history. For sure. You got close. I mean, you almost got there. Let me ask you this. Your offense, they had some struggles throughout the game, and, and ultimately your defense scored a touchdown. Ultimately you had another turnover that set up another touchdown. Did you feel like coming into this game defensively that maybe you had to score some points? Um, I mean, we knew we knew that we had to win the turnover battle. You know, that was a key stat that Coach Kubiak gave us early in the week. That you know, they once when they lose the turnover battle, they'll they'll lose the game. So we knew we had to win the turnover battle early and often, and, and that's what we did from the start of the game. And most definitely, and and I said coming into the game, you guys had to get at least two turnovers in order for you to win that particular game. You did me one better, and ultimately. You won the particular. You won this game. We're talking to Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray. And Lorente, let me ask you this now: uh, we, we look at Peyton Manning. He managed the game through these playoffs. He wasn't great, but he was good enough in the end. Do you think we've seen the last of Peyton Manning? Well, I'm I'm not sure. You know, it's ultimately going to be a decision that Peyton Manning has to make. You know, he's one of the greatest of all time, and you know, I don't think he wants to walk away from the game, but. I mean, it's going to be a, a business decision and a career decision that he's going to have to make depending on his health, depending on his family, and, you know, the things that he has going on around him is what's ultimately going to help him make his decision. Did, did you see Peyton was – did you see notice anything, any any chinks in the armor? You know, he had the HGA allega- HGH allegations. He had a pretty rough year, a lot of things coming at him. Did you notice that – did it bother him at all? Did you notice it, it bothering him at all? No, you know, you know, Peyton is Peyton. You know, he's he's always used to having the weight of the world on his shoulders. You know, as humble as a guy as he is, people always worship him as you know being one of the best of all time, if not the best of all time. As he went on to break a lot of records, and you know, as a defense, we kind of took that weight off his shoulders. You know what I'm saying? So you right. can't you can't necessarily put all the weight on one guy. It's the team effort, you know, to win the game. And, that's what I kind of felt like the media did with Cam Newton. They kind of put all the pressure on Cam and said, 
all right, he's Superman, he's this and he's that. And, you know, one man can't win a Super Bowl. It takes a team effort. Let me ask you this now. We, we, we went through the game, and ultimately you guys won the game. How were the parties? How were the parties afterwards? Oh, man, the parties were crazy, man. It was elated, man. It was, <laughs> it was you know, you can't you can't even describe that, man. Never, never experienced okay. anything like it. You know, being a world champion, just being able to party with, you know, unbelievable celebrities and being able to party with people that you wouldn't even think would, would enjoy football. They watch football, you know. So it was it was great. And we, you know, we just got to get it out of our system and get ready for next year. Hopefully we'll be back and get another one. Let, let me ask you this. You're a restricted free agent next season, going into next season. So I, based off of what you're saying, the ultimate goal is to return to Denver. But is it possible that you could look elsewhere so you could have a bigger role elsewhere? Um, I mean, like, like, I, like I said when I first came on the show, you know, what God has for me, I, I'm glad to receive that and I'm glad to go where he wants me to go. But, you know, I don't I don't really want to leave Denver. I, I want to be a champion. I want to win. But if God has something else for me, then I'll gladly take that and receive it and go with, with open arms. For sure. And let me ask you this now. You did big things in the Super Bowl. You're doing big things with the Big Play McCray Foundation. Tell us about that foundation. Um, my foundation is, is actually uh, taking off right now. I'm headed down to Florida in a couple of days, and you know I'm doing some stuff in the community, going to visit some hospitals. I actually went to visit some kids today uh, with the foundation, just getting a chance just to mingle with a Super Bowl champion. You know, I I never got to experience anything like that as a kid, so I always want to give that back and just give kids that extra motivation because I was once in their shoes and. You know, that's kind of what we're doing as a foundation is just giving kids extra motivation and mentorship and helping them throughout their lives and, you know, giving them the extra incentives and extra motivation tools to, you know, go out and meet their their goals and their dreams and their aspirations. So, fans, make sure you go to his website, BigPlayMcCraveFoundation.com. Go there and support some of the great things going on with with Lorente McCray. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Now, you know, you're at some point you're going to get that ring. What, what do you do with that ring? You wear it, you put it away. What, what, what do you do with that Super Bowl ring? Um, I, I think I'm probably going to wear this one. You know, it's it's historic. I, I won a national championship my freshman year, and I didn't I didn't really wear it out when I, I put it in the safety deposit box. And we won the AFC championship my rookie year. I didn't really play, and I don't like being second place, so. I gave that ring to my mom. I didn't. I didn't wear it at all. So, but this this ring here is, is just special to me, and just being with a group of guys and what we did all year, just being doubted and underestimated, and we just went out and got the job done. And Super Bowl Fifty, let alone Super Bowl Super Bowl Fifty, was just a, a great honor. The Golden Year. So, I got sure. I got to wear this ring. And they're talking about uh, hopefully it, it might be gold. So, all right, all right. So, so you're gonna wear it, you know. You're gonna wear it out while you're out and about in public and and all those things. Be careful, man. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. I, I'll definitely wear it, but I'm not. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about nobody. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lorente, I mean, like, it was. I was amazed, you know, a couple of weeks back when we had you on, and like, like I said earlier, you pretty much guaranteed that this was going to happen, and I, you know, I have my doubts. I really did. 
I didn't say it at the time, but I had my doubts. I didn't think it was possible, just based off the way the Carolina Panthers were playing, that they could lose. I, I just didn't see it, but you proved me wrong, man, and ultimately your Broncos proved me wrong, and your Broncos proved a lot of people wrong. I mean, so it's, it's a good time to be a Denver Bronco, and you guys are Super Bowl 50 champions. And so enjoy the moment, man. Oh, yeah, man. Appreciate it. Definitely have to enjoy the moment. But now, now that I tell you something, you'll believe me next time. You won't doubt. No, not at all. Not at all. You, <laughs> you, you're a prophet. And so I got to, you know, you say it, I, I believe it, and I'll do it. So, you know, uh, so it, you you brought the real and, and you backed it up. So kudos to you again. Support his foundation, Big Play McCray Foundation. Also hit him up on Twitter at live underscore 55, and that's live with three eyes. Support all the great things going on with Lorente McCray. Lorente, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. We definitely have to do it again. For sure. Take care. If I get a message from God, I'll call you and let you know if you have any doubts. Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'll listen. I'll listen. <laughs> All Take right. care. Uh, good, hey, good talking to you, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Likewise. Right. Broncos linebacker, Lorente McCray. Pleasure talking to him. Wish him nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Wow. I mean, uh, you know, he said it. If he said it, I believe it. I got to go with it. I mean, the dude was basically predicted that this would happen. He basically foretold what was going to happen in Super Bowl 50. And, and again, I was I was not believing. I was not believing. And I guess I was wrong for not believing, right? Because he backed it up and then some. You know, he backed that up and then some. I mean, that was not a close football. It was a close game, but, I mean, that was a dominating defensive performance by the Denver Broncos, an overwhelming defensive performance by the Denver Broncos, a huge, big-time defensive performance by that Bronco football team. They were huge in that game, man. And You know, kudos to everybody, everybody associated with the Denver Broncos. Kudos to Lorente McCray and the Denver Broncos football team. They have moved on, and they're Super Bowl champions. Unbelievable. And, you know, I look back on it, and I guess I shouldn't be surprised because you know, great defenses tend to be great offenses all the time, but I was I was I was surprised, man. I didn't expect that. I, I didn't I, I thought the Broncos would have to score a little more and and I thought the Panthers would uh, you know, most definitely score a little more, but it, it didn't happen. The, the defense for the Denver Broncos was stout. They were they were big time. They were they were they were they were just tough to beat. They were tough to score upon. Everybody had issues with that defense throughout the course of these playoffs, whether it was the Patriots, the Steelers, everybody had issues. Issues with that defense. And so and those issues continued on for everybody. And we talk about the Panthers who had, you know, who were big time. Big time on the defensive side, I mean, who were on the offensive side of the ball. Huge. Huge. If And and at the end of the day, I didn't expect that. I didn't expect it, man. And so, you know what? 
obviously God told Lorente and the Denver Bronco football team that this was going to happen. He, you know, he said he told them. He said the defense was going to be big. And I'm, I'm, I'm like stunned right now. Uh, you know, a few weeks later, I'm still stunned. I didn't expect that. I, I don't think anybody expected that. A lot of people were were were, were saying this was the Carolina. It just, it just felt like it was Carolina's season. It, it just felt like it was Panthers. It, it was. It just felt like it was their time. It just felt like it was their time, and and I just didn't see this coming. I just didn't see this coming, and I, I'm shocked today as I was yesterday, and and I'm amazed by what transpired and what happened. But again, huge, huge performance by Von Miller in that defense. Huge, huge performance by everybody. And the Broncos deserve all. The, the kudos, all, you know, everything, because they earned it and they were big time. Looking back and going back to the NBA now, um, you look at, how about David Lee? You know, David Lee, you know, was a part of Warrior team. And he kind of, you know, he was not really in that rotation much. And, you know, he came in, was that game, was that game four? You know, game three, was it game three of the NBA Finals where he had some impact and ultimately he started to get minutes throughout the course of that uh, that that NBA final, and, and so now David Lee is a he's a a guy now who is who's been cut, been waived by the Boston Celtics, and now he he can move on now. And they waived him before March first, so to give him an opportunity to possibly latch on and catch on with another uh, team, so possibly a playoff team. And there's talk that the Mavs might be interested in David Lee, and I don't know how much David Lee has and, you know, what he can bring to the table. But, you know, I mean, it can't hurt. I mean, he was a guy that, again, had a a big impact in that game three and ultimately in game four. He played some decent minutes, in the, and he was forgotten about. He was he was forgotten about by everybody. You know, they were forgotten. We forgot about David Lee. And so in forgetting about David Lee, he didn't get much minutes. He didn't get much time. And, and so now, now, you look at him, he's been cut by the ball, weighed by the Boston Celtics, and now he's looking to latch on elsewhere. We'll see if he latches on with the Dallas Mavericks again, who who, who are interested, and we'll see what other teams will be interested. Maybe the Warriors might have a level of interest in David Lee. I don't know. We'll see. But you look at it, and then he's gone. Gone, and you know, you know, obviously, a, a guy who had a, a good year, well, not a good year, but a guy who was really forgotten about, and and you know, ultimately now he will get himself possibly another opportunity. Would a Boston was a playoff team, but you know, with another team, and we'll see what happens. But it just didn't work out for David Lee in Boston for whatever reason. And, and you look at now, you know, another guy that. Some people expected to get traded. Paul Gasol of the Chicago Bulls. I mean, people were expecting maybe that he could be on the move during the trade deadline. But you know, the Bulls they kept him. They they, they held on to him, and and we'll see what they do. But he knew Gasol. 
that there was a possibility that this could happen. He's 35 years old. And, you know, Gar Foreman, general manager for the Bulls, says at this point, Pau Gasol is a part of the future. He is a part of what the Bulls want to do moving forward. His deal, he can opt out of his deal. And he's expected to opt out of his deal. So, you know, we'll see when he, if he, if and when he does opt out, where he goes. You know, if does he decide to stay with the Bulls? Was this a mistake by the Chicago Bulls to to keep this guy? Was it a mistake to keep him instead of moving him on? Maybe they should have moved him on. Maybe it was in their best interest to move them on, move him on. They didn't do it, but maybe it was. I mean, but you know, they expect to be able to re-sign him. The Bulls right now inter- interesting basketball team. I mean, you know, over the years it's been about the health. Of Derrick Rose, can he stay healthy? Will Derrick Rose be back? So, so on and so forth. But now, you know, this this has become Jimmy Butler's team. You know, Pau Gasol, an All Star. Obviously, he's having a big time season. And, and so, you look at it, and, and they're interesting from the standpoint. They're barely in the playoffs at this point. They they seemingly have underachieved. They're the eighth seed right now. They've underachieved. They lost. They, they they've been playing some awful basketball of late. They lost last night to the Cavaliers. And so you, you look at it and, and, you know, lost five in a row at this point. And now, you know, they're going elsewhere. They're, they're heading south instead of heading north. And it's got to be that, – that's why they're different. That, that's why they're in a, 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 a difficult situation. Because do you – at some point do you think about – building around ultimately Jimmy Butler and, and, and trying to move some guys and, and think about next season. You know, ultimately they decided against that. Ultimately they felt Pau Gasol was going to be a part of what they wanted to do moving forward. Good idea, bad idea, I'm not sure. But it's an idea, I guess, at the end of the day. And so we'll see how this plays out for the Bulls. Again, they're in an interesting position, and I wonder – what they're going to do moving forward, because they're, they're, this is a team that's big time underachieved. Will whether will the mayor Fred Hoiberg will he be you know under fire at some point? You know they 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 got rid of Tom Thibodeau and you know Tibbs did a good job in Chicago and overcame a lot to keep that train moving. Whether it was Derrick Rose or whether it was anything, he kept the train moving. And so now the train is a little bit in trouble, and we'll see what happens moving forward with that football, that basketball team, but they're in an interesting spot. We're going to bring in a guy now, another member of the Denver Broncos Super Bowl team, a guy who played a vital role in the Denver Broncos winning the Super Bowl. Let's bring him in now, guard for the world champion Denver Broncos, Evan Mathis. Evan, how are you? Oh, it's well, couldn't be better, Paul. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for joining us and. It's been almost two weeks since you won the big one, man. H- has it hit you yet? Um, you know, every now and then. You know, at first, it's a very surreal feeling. I guess even now it's kind of surreal. But every now and then, I'll have a moment of reflection where I just kind of sit back and think about it, and just brings a big smile on my face. And I realize that we, you know, we actually got it done. And, you know, a childhood dream has actually been realized, and you know, it's a great feeling. It kind of makes everything in my normal day a little better. Let me ask you this. Obviously, this was your first Super Bowl appearance. Put into words what it's like to play in the Super Bowl. 
Um, it, it's you know it's the biggest stage of all. Uh, it's you know you, you really have to put an emphasis on being able to block out everything. So it's easy before you get caught up in, in, in the hoopla and all the distractions that come along with the Super Bowl. So, you know, we, I think we did a good job as a team of focusing in on, you know, just playing ball and, and focusing on the task at hand and, you know, not getting caught up in everything and even, you know, trying to trying to avoid thinking so much that it's, you know, you're on the biggest stage possible. For sure. We're talking to uh, Broncos guard. Evan Mathis, and Evan, I look at you guys, and I look at that defense. Coming into the game, number one defense gets the number one offense, and at the end of the day, the number one defense won. Did you expect that type of performance out of your defense? No, I definitely did. I've seen how those guys carry themselves, how they prepared all year, how they prepared those two weeks leading up to that game. I know, you know, I know their mentalities, and you know, I expect all that from them. And they were all that and then some. I mean, big time in that particular game. Shut down Cam Newton in that explosive Carolina Panthers offense. And being that the defense was playing so well in the game, at some point on the offensive side of the ball, was it all about not making mistakes? Um, not, we really wanted to establish the run game and have productive offense. I think we did have some success running the ball, but we also had a lot of, you know, too many – too many three and outs, but I think that you know in the end, you know the game was managed as as much as it needed to be. Obviously, if we were able to get the W, but um, if we if we had a little more success, it would have been a wider margin of you know the score would have been a wider margin in the end if we were able to move the ball a little, just you know just a little bit more effectively. For sure, for sure, we're talking to Broncos guard Evan Mathis, and and, and you know going back to your defense, I mean Von Miller, Super Bowl MVP. He was big time against the Patriots. He was big time in the Super Bowl. Talk about what you've seen out of Von Miller during this playoff run. It was big time. Yeah, Von is a he's a he's a tremendous athlete, and he's a guy who he has fun in everything that he does. I mean, he has fun working really hard you know, in preparation. He has fun when he's out there playing, uh, and I think that's one of the things that makes him such a great player is that he's so loose that he's able to. Uh, you know, he doesn't really have to he doesn't hold back in any way at all. He just lets himself be who he is. Um, he lets loose, and he, and, he, and he shines. And coming into this game, Cam Newton, we saw the dancing, we saw the dabbing, and he danced and dabbed all the way to Super Bowl 50. Did that motivate your defense at all? Yeah, I mean, it probably did. I was, I mean, I was focused on, what, I was focused on what I had to do. You know, we had a plan, plan, plan. Their very talented defense. Uh, I was also focused on that, but yeah, those guys find motivation you know, from everything, and they're able to channel it into into their play. What about in terms of you guys being the underdogs? You're underdog against the Patriots, underdogs in the Super Bowl. Do you feel like as a team that kind of brought you guys together? Um, we, I, I kind of liked us being the underdogs. I kind of liked it, you know, because it, it's going to give some guys the edge to, to you know play with a little chip more chip on their shoulder. Um, it might give it might make the other team a little you know feel a little more comfortable than they should feel. So I loved going. I loved being the underdog in those games. I think it was, in many ways, beneficial to us. And you know, you have a lot of guys that you know, when you tell them that everyone is rooting against them or thinking they're going to lose, it's, it's going to make them, you know, a little more fierce and play a little harder. Most definitely. And and I look at. 
I just look at the game, and, and from my standpoint, just watching the game, it, it just seemed like you guys wanted it just a little bit more than the Panthers. Did you sense that at all? Um, I know they wanted it, but yeah, I, I did. We, we wanted it more. We, uh, I think it was it was it was important for us to come out and play with a lead because the Panthers are a team that was was comfortable being in the lead because they had been you know they, they're used to playing with a lead in all the games and. We wanted to put them in a position that they weren't used to playing from behind. Um, so we just, you know, we came out from the get-go uh, playing playing as hard as we could, and things worked out. Now, you weren't there the first time these guys went to the Super Bowl. A lot of these guys in this roster were on this roster a couple years ago when this team went to the Super Bowl. Do you think that experience helped a lot this time around? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, that tremendous, there's a lot, a lot that came from that. You know, a lot of guys, you know, losing the Super Bowl is almost like a curse, uh, you know, being so close and not being able to achieve that 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 victory. And a lot of guys, you know, they were they had they carried that with them, uh, that, that missed opportunity. And I guess, you know, they learned what, what they needed to change in their own uh, preparation and the way they go about things and, and, and being able to, and, you know, being able to experience that uh went a long way for all those guys and then it you know having a second shot at it did wonders for him we're talking to broncos guard evan mathis and evan obviously you guys won super bowl 50 and after winning super bowl 50 usually people have a nice time getting their party on they they like to party how were the parties man uh there was one there was a team party like a like, for like the family the team whoever people had in town at the hotel the night of the uh game and that, that was a pretty cool experience. Everybody was just having a good time. Um, other than that, oh yeah, there was a there was a, in, in Denver there was a, a Rick Ross concert that okay. I went to with a bunch of the guys, and uh, a lot of us were just you know got up on stage and just were sitting there. There's a lot of guys dancing, Snapchatting themselves up there with Rick Ross, and that, that was a pretty cool experience as well. Um, yeah, and it, honestly, it just makes everything, not just the parties, but it, you know, winning the Super Bowl, it makes everything you're doing just a, a little better. You, know, you just, right. you, know, you feel a little, did you you feel get a little better about everything you're doing. Did you get your dance on uh, as you were listening to Rick Ross? No, nah, not too much. Maybe a little bobbing and weaving. I'm not, I'm not that much of a dancer. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Let me ask you this now. You know, obviously, the, the, the situation in Philly that didn't end the best way for you. Obviously, you were released by the Eagles and Chip Kelly. Things worked out for you in Denver. Are you upset by the way it, it ended in Philly? Man, every single thing that happened is what led me to be able to experience that Super Bowl victory. So I'm uh, ultimately grateful for every step of the process because without that happening, you know, it, it wouldn't have been. This wouldn't have been possible. L- let me ask you this: If Hypothetically, I mean, you are a free agent, and you know you you're about to be a free agent. And hypothetically speaking, Chip Kelly would give gave you a call. Would you listen? I'd listen. I'd listen. I, I'm not gonna, you know, I haven't even thought much about about my future yet. But you know, at this point, I haven't. I'm not gonna rule anything out. Um, and it would be, you know, I think it'd be un, uh, unprofessional to not listen to someone. Were you surprised how things ended in Philly for Chip Kelly? Uh, I'm not. I can't. I can't really say that I was surprised. Um, 
you know, I, I had being there and experiencing how things were unfolding. Uh, you know, I was, I was, I, was, I felt I was kind of lucky to get out of there when I did. All right, so you got out of there at a good time. Uh, yeah, obviously. Basically. So they went on to do what they did, and I, I went on to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think it, it, wor- it worked out. <laughs> for sure, for sure. We're talking to Broncos guard Evan Mathis. Now, Evan, like you said, you, you haven't really thought about the future, but would you like to return to Denver Broncos if you know if it was there, if the opportunity is there? Yeah, I mean, that's a great organization, a great group of guys. Um, you know, that it'd probably be my first choice. Uh, if it came down to it, but like I said, I really haven't put much thought into it uh, either way. Let me ask you this: we, we look at Peyton Manning; he had the injury issues, the HGA stuff, all that stuff coming at him. Did, did at any point did you think that affected Peyton? Did did you think it bothered him at all? No, nah, I mean Peyton has been dealing with publicity, whether it be positive or negative. You know, in the biggest spotlight of all for for what 18 years plus, so he's the kind of guy that you know he can he can he can take on all that. He can block it all out and do what he has to do. Uh, if it does get to him, he's not going to let it affect who he is or affect his performance. So I mean, that's the kind of guy who's you know his, his experience and you know his his character allow him to you know, play through whatever is going on around him. Brock Osweiler, he's going to be a free agent as well. Just looking at the way he played when he had his opportunity this year, do you think the future is bright for him? Yeah, I think Brock definitely showed that he has uh, great potential to be a, a, a starting quarterback, a successful quarterback in this league. Uh, he's a very talented guy. He has, you know, he's a very hard worker. He's a natural leader. Uh, he has all, all, the, all the traits and all the qualities that you, you look for. And your quarterback, Peyton Manning. I heard you in an interview earlier. You said Peyton Manning sixty forty. You believe that Peyton Manning will retire. Has that number changed for you at all? No, that was just me. That was, a, I was, that was me saying a gut feeling was sixty forty. Um, okay. I, I have no idea. Uh, if I that was just if I had to guess, I would guess retired, and that's what I meant by sixty forty. Okay, okay, sixty forty in terms of him retiring. And I almost agree with you. I think the number is actually a little higher, but who knows? We'll see what happens. Let me ask you this. You're 34 years old now at this point in your career. How many good years do you think you have in the National Football League? I don't even know. I haven't even thought about that yet. I've been just enjoying this win. Um, You know, I'll probably, you know, rest up here, see how I feel over the course of next month, and, and then start thinking about the future like that. For sure, and, and fans, to see his future and to see what the future might be, make sure you go to his Twitter page at Evan Mathis sixty nine. Also, go to his Facebook page, Evan Mathis sixty nine. Support all the great things going on with Evan Mathis. Evan, when you finally get your ring, where do you store it? Do you wear it? Do you store it? And if you do store no, it, where? I'll, I'll probably wear it a little bit, just you know, just because it'll be new. Uh, but I have, you know, I'm a, I'm a collector type. I'm, I'm into memorabilia and sports cards and things like that. And there's there's, there's plenty of room in my safe that, that that will, you know, that the ring will fit nicely next to a, a bunch of my collection. For sure, for sure. And, and it's it's a good day to be Evan Mathis at this point, Super Bowl champion for the Denver Broncos. Evan, appreciate the time, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. 
Let's do it again. All right. Take care, Paul. Appreciate it, man. Evan Mathis, guard for the uh, Denver Broncos, enjoying and celebrating winning Super Bowl 50. Like we said, it's a great time to be Evan Mathis. Great time. Uh, Also to be this guy we're about to bring in. This guy is preparing for the upcoming NFL draft. Got the combine invite. That's huge. NFL combine coming up next week. So it's huge for this guy. Let's bring him in now, former University of Illinois running back. Bring him in, Josh Ferguson. Josh. How are you, sir? How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You got the news last week, man. You got invited to the NFL Combine. Talk about your reaction when you heard the news. Man, I was nothing short of elated. Um, I actually found out a couple weeks earlier, and, uh, you know, it was great to see that my name was there in that final list there. So I'm excited. I put a lot of work up until this point. I'm just excited to have the opportunity to show forth, uh, you know, everything that we've been putting in. Talk about your preparation at this point. How is the preparation going? Going well. I'm down here in Miami uh, training with Bomberia Performance Systems, and it's been awesome. I'm down here with some – good guys and training with uh, a lot of Big Ten running backs and guys really from all over the country. It's been quite the experience. Uh, you know, there's nothing better than just waking up and training for football, man. I'm just enjoying it. So what's the day in the life of Josh Ferguson? What's it look like, man? Uh, how do you prepare for the NFL draft? What's, the, what's your day look like? Yeah, uh, early wake up around 6 o'clock, uh, Head down to Aventura, Florida. Oh, yeah, it's pretty early. And, um, you know, we, we eat, you know, get ready and do some medical things, get the body right, and then we'll usually have a little speed session. And uh, from there we'll have a little snack and go over some combine prep, whether it's film or interview prep. And, um, you know, from there we'll probably have lunch or lift. And, um, you know, after that we kind of on our own in terms of, recovery and uh, watching more film if we need it or going over our own playbooks. Uh, pretty uh, extensive deal there, but it's it's fun, man. So the, the day starts at 6 a.m. What time's the night end? Does the night end early for you? Well, yeah, I mean, we're done around, shoot, 3 o'clock, some days early, okay. some days later. And uh, I'm usually done by about 9 o'clock, man, just – Tired from the day and trying to get ready for the next day, so pretty early nights. We're talking to former University of Illinois running back Josh Ferguson. Josh, let me ask you this. Obviously, the 40 time, it's very important when it comes to preparing for the NFL draft. What are you running now, and what do you hope to run at the combine? Yeah, uh, obviously a huge deal, especially for a guy like myself. Um the run has been going well, man. Uh, I've been in the 4-4 range and, you know, All hoping right. to crack that and uh, get in that 4-3, high 4-3 range. So we'll see, man. Uh, just really excited to have the opportunity to run in front of all those scouts. Is it pressure? I mean, obviously you want to show out. Right. Talk about the pressure. Talk about your mindset as you prepare for this NFL combine. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean, it's it's positive peer pressure for sure. But when you sit okay. back and think about, you know, I was a guy that grew up watching this deal here, and just having the opportunity to be here is awesome for me. And it's 
not a scary deal at all. Um, I'd say the big games and you know little combines that you do as a young high school athlete and all the track meets and you know everything, the whole culmination of the deal there to get to where you are now, prepare you for such things like the combine. So I'm excited, man. And you know, East West Shrine game last month. According to all reports, you did your thing. You showed out. When you walked away from there, did you say to yourself, you know what, I did my thing this week? Yeah, man. Going into that week, I just wanted to show, you know, what guys might have seen or might not have seen, uh, you know, on film. And I think, you know, having that opportunity to do that and walking away from there, hearing good things from, you know, the scouts and reporters alike was an awesome feeling and really just laid down a solid foundation heading into uh, Indy. So what kind of feedback did you get? Oh, man, a lot of scouts saying, you know, I practice hard, practice well. Uh, Solid feedback from my coaches there, my coaches at Illinois, and, you know, seeing your name mentioned in tweets by by guys, you know, renowned scouts and things like that. It was just awesome to see, and, you know, it was just a good feeling after a a long week's of work. Now, I want to ask you this now. You you know, during your career at Illinois, 150 receptions, over 1,500 receiving yards, over 2,500 rushing yards during your career at the University of Illinois. So that's versatile, man. You're a versatile guy. Talk about the versatility of Josh Ferguson. <laughs> well, I'd like to say I'm a guy that can do a lot, um, can help out in offense in, you know, a multitude of ways. And I really just got to thank Coach Cuba for, you know, allowing me to express my uh, ability back there, uh, whether it's behind the quarterback or in the slot or in the screen game or in the run game and any type of game as an offense. And, um, you know, he helped me out a lot in that field and forever grateful there. And I think, um, you know, heading into Indy and, you know, and so on and so forth, just being able to express that I'm that type of guy uh, and the guy that can help you out on uh, whatever down, especially third, uh, if I can do that, I'll be fine. Let me ask you this. You said you talked about third down, but do you feel like you're an every down back in the National Football League? I do. I think okay. in a partic- if I'm using a particular way, I think that's, um, you know, more efficient, more advantageous. Um, and I, there's so many great offensive minds in the NFL, and I'm sure they'll get that, you know, they'll handle that. That's what they're paid for, but you know, my obligation, my job, my, my goal is just to, you know, work, whether it's on special teams, offense, find my role, you know, and okay. uh, go from there, man. Go from there. Were you happy with what you did last season at Illinois during your senior se- senior season? I know you had some injury issues, but as a whole, were you happy with what you did last year at Illinois? Yeah, I was pretty, pretty happy. Um, you know, missing three games your senior year was pretty tough there, but right. You know, something we always preach there is just making the most of your opportunities. And, um, you know, I like to think that I did the most I could with uh, the opportunities and, you know, the cards that I was dealt with and lay down the, um, a good foundation for the younger guys and set a good example for them. Now, on the next level, you know, I, some of the comparisons or one of the comparisons I've heard is, is Giovanni Bernard. But but who do you compare yourself that international football league that's in the league now. Who do you compare yourself to? I've actually watched a lot of film on Geo. Um, watched a lot of film on Ronnie Hillman and 
you know, guys like that. Um, but, yeah, you know, those, those are all guys that Deion Lewis is and Shane Green. Those are all guys that I've watched film on. And I can take away things from their game and see what they're doing, see what's working for them, um, especially knowing that they're, you know, pretty similar in size and stature like and things like that. So, you know, those are all guys that have kind of paved the way for backs like myself. We're talking to former University of Illinois running back Josh Ferguson. Now, now Josh, Naperville, Ohio, Illinois, excuse me, is where you're from. You're Illinois native. That's near Chicago. So, as you told me off there, you are a Bears fan. What would it mean <laughs> for you, for the Bears, to give you a call on draft day? Well, I'll tell you what, man. If I, if I could choose any team right now, it would definitely be uh, the Super Bowl winners. But, you know, growing up um, as a Bears fan, it would be awesome, you know, growing up playing for your, your state's team. and But uh, realistically, I'm just excited to have an opportunity to play for someone uh, in the NFL and be in the NFL and be paid to play a game that you love. For sure. And that's it's always to do, always a great thing to get paid for doing the things that you love. Let me ask you this, and we're still early in the process right now. You know, I'm seeing somewhere, some, you know, mock drafts, maybe you're in the fourth, fifth round, but again, we're still early in this process. Have you heard anything? I have not. Uh, I've heard, shoot, I've heard it all, quite honestly. Um, Nothing particular. I've heard as early as late second to undrafted free agents. So, like you said, it's early. Um, I think after the combine and pro days and, uh, you know, all those workouts there, we'll have a better idea. Um, but I'm really not too focused on that right now. I think maximizing okay. the opportunities and putting my best foot forward should be the focus. And um, I think having that type of mentality will pay dividends in the end. Now, do you do you look at any of the mock drafts? Because I would think, you know, if you're preparing for this draft, that would be something that kind of would drive you crazy, seeing you go up, go down, <laughs> all that stuff. Do you avoid those things? Um, I don't necessarily avoid uh don't really go out there looking for it either. Um, you know, people will bring it to me once in a while. But, um, you know, not really a focus. I think as an athlete, um, you can go either one or two ways and use motivation or it can get you down. I'm definitely more a guy that uses motivation, but I do understand that, um, you know, what's going on inside of you is more important than what's going on outside of you. Um, to be the best athlete you can be, you've got to have the right mindset. And, you know, keeping my mind right is definitely keeping my, my mind out of the newspapers. Sure. Let me ask you this. End of the day, why should any team call Josh Ferguson's name on draft day? Yeah, uh, a versatile player. A guy can do many things. A hard worker. Smart guy. We'll get the playbook. And a great team player, man. And honestly, my only desire during the day is to win a Super Bowl. And I think that's an admirable characteristic of any prospect. For sure. And, And so, fans. Make sure you support this man's journey. Hit him up on Twitter at Josh Ferguson underscore six. Support all the great things there going on go. with Josh Ferguson as he prepares for this upcoming NFL draft. And, and I heard you say something about interview preparation. L- let me ask you this: Obviously, a lot of teams are going to be interviewing you next week. Uh, you know, as you you know talk to you, see what you're about, so on and so forth. Yeah. How do you avoid being nervous? when you're talking to those teams from around the league. Do you think 
that's something you have to guard against? How do you avoid it? Um, shoot. Just be honest. Um, okay. Obviously, don't just run off at the lip, but um, <laughs> I'd say really the years of, you know, getting interviewed at Illinois, uh, starting when I was 18 years old and all the way to having a little taste of it at the East-West Shrine game, um, taking, you know, draw from those experiences and taking everything that I've learned uh, over the years, you know, articulating what you want to say, um, you know, giving the answers that they want to hear, but in an honest right. way. Um, just be an honest guy and be down to earth. I, you know, that kind of guards you from being nervous. For sure, for sure. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, when it comes to any job interview, we all have to possibly tell a little lies along the way. But, hey, it comes with the territory. <laughs> so it is what it is. But you're you're a fairly articulate guy, so I don't think you'll have any problems next week, you know, articulating yourself, saying the right things, sure. doing the right things, and hopefully for you everything works out. Josh, it was a pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Before we get out of here, your Chicago Bulls, man, five in a row they lost, <laughs> barely in the playoffs. You can Man, we'll see, man. Hopefully they get a- Something miraculous happens there, but, um, you know, always rooting for those Bulls, man. All right, all right. So keep on rooting for the Bulls, and hopefully things will turn around for you. Appreciate it, man. Nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Thanks a lot, man. I'll be looking forward to it. No doubt. Take care. too, man. Have a good one. Former Illinois running back Josh Ferguson, as he prepares for the upcoming NFL draft, NFL draft is around the corner, man, April 28th combine next week so there's going to be a lot of things going on uh you know in indianapolis next week and should be a lot of fun well i mean see guys run the 40 i guess that's cool seeing guys do certain drills i guess it's cool but it's football and heck we don't have any football for a long long time so we we got to get and and enjoy what we get you know we got to enjoy it all because it's not going to be there for a long 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 time what 28 29 weeks something crazy like that so we'll we'll have to wait patiently for it. Well, Sean McCoy, at, at this point, you know, we, we thought maybe he would have been charged uh, with assault or some kind of something based off the incident that happened in Philadelphia uh, last week. But at this point, he has not been charged. And, you know, reports are that it might not happen. Reports are there are some things, you know, DA does have concerns about, uh, you know, the case and the situation. So there's a possibility that, hey, maybe LaShawn McCoy does not get arrested. So, I mean, you know, we had the uh, Philadelphia Fraternal Order of Police President, John McNesby, uh, he came out and said, you know what? He said that in more than 4,500 felony arrests during his career, he's never waited this long ever to see somebody arrested. You know, so at this point, he he believes, he went on to say, I think that he's overthinking this, talking about the Philadelphia District Attorney. And I I just look at this this situation. You know, there's conflicting reports. You got Hollis Thomas, former Philadelphia Eagle, coming out and saying that LaShawn McCoy and Sucker Punch, uh, one of the off-duty police officers. You know, you're hearing so many conflicting reports that, at this point, you know, it, it was a bar fight, and at this point it's hard to figure out and, and, and determine who was at fault. 
You know, I mean, stuff happens and things happen, and it went down. And obviously, you know, it, it, there's not you got some footage, but you can't really determine what happened. And you know, you, you do have some questions in terms of the police, and you know, why didn't they, uh, uh, you know, call the cops and you know do that? And you know, why did they end up driving their own self to the to the hospital? So I mean, there are some things that you know make it difficult. And, and you know, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, according to investigators, according to uh, WPBI in Philadelphia, investigators recommended McCoy be charged with aggravated assault. But reports are also saying that the DA wants to be thorough before determining possible charges. So it's going to be interesting to see how this thing plays out and, and – you know, if it does end up where LaShawn may have, in fact, done some things, you know, maybe the NFL comes down hard on him. We'll see. It's not a good look, obviously. Excuse me, for anybody involved. Not a good look at all. And, you know, for LaShawn McCoy, obviously, hopefully, this is a, a, a wake-up call, a lesson for him, and Nothing good tends to happen after 12 o'clock, and a lot of bad tends to happen. And You know, this is a bad situation. Even if charged or not charged, it's a very unfortunate situation that, you know, hurts his name a little bit, which in, which in turn hurts his reputation a little bit. And that little Sean McCoy had some things over the years, you know, whether it's the issue with, with the, the, the female that he allegedly threw off the bus and whether it's the issue with him going back and forth, a little Twitter beef with his baby mama, you know, whether it's any of those things, you know, it, it, it's, you know, we've seen some things out of Shady that have been somewhat shady. But, you know, it, it doesn't mean he's a criminal. It, it, it doesn't mean that he, in fact, did what some believe that he did. I, I, I'm going to say I don't know. And I think, you know, as much as we want you know, the police to move and, and, and do and, 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 and charge and all that other stuff, you at times have to, to let things play out. You have to, you know, as the DA said, Seth Williams, you have to be thorough. And, and I think based off of this situation and not really knowing what it, what is going on, I, I think you have to be thorough in this situation, and I think you have to do your due diligence, and you have to figure out, in fact, if in fact – Shady McCoy did what he is accused of doing. And and that will be, you know, time will be to judge of that. But, it, you know, I, I think I'm okay with a DA being thorough because you, you don't want to move fast. You want to take your time. You want to be slow. You know, you don't want to just move right away, boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? We're, we're going to charge him. You, wanna, you don't want to rush to judgment. You don't want to rush to judgment because that that helps no one. And then you get to trial and ultimately you lose. So, I, you know, the DA, he wants to be thorough. He wants to make sure that he can, you know, get to conviction. You know, any DA wants to be, you know, they're not going to charge unless they feel like they can get to conviction. And so we'll see if, in fact, they can get to conviction. And if they do get to conviction, how it affects. Shady McCoy moving forward might do some jail time if he gets the conviction. And obviously, with you know the, the guys, 
the, the police officers, you know, they're really, really, and they're off-duty police officers, so at the end of the day, I mean, they didn't identify themselves, and maybe they didn't have an opportunity to identify themselves. Who knows? I wasn't there. And I don't think we have enough evidence to prove anything at this point in terms of what I've seen. <clears throat> in terms of what I've seen. And again, there was pushing and shoving over a bottle of champagne. So the cops were out late. Shady and his boys were out late. And, you know, some unfortunate stuff went down. But we'll see how it all plays out. We'll see how it works. And we'll see what the aftermath of this situation will be. Heath! Heath! Heath Miller, Steelers, tight end, calls it quits. After 11 NFL seasons, you know, he's had a solid career for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he decided to call it quits. And, you know, he called it quits and said, you know, he, he thanked the Steelers for giving him an opportunity. He'll, he'll always cherish the bond that he had with his teammates. And, you know, Heath Miller really, really had an effective career and, you know, was one of the favorite targets of Big Ben. Heath Miller really had a great career in Pittsburgh, a solid career, and you know he, he can hold his head up high, walking out when he was walking out and doing after doing some of the things that he did. And you either hear those Heath chants in a lot of different places. It, it, not only in Pittsburgh, it's in a lot of other places as well. You hear those Heath Miller chants, and you know Pittsburgh Steelers, they always travel well. That fan base travels well. Seems like everybody's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan everywhere you go. Somewhere, some you know some somebody's a Steelers fan, and somewhere. Because, you know, you, you go around each and every, you know, the Steelers, they travel well. And you go around the country, you always find Steelers fans. You always find them somewhere. You know, you always find them. And so there's a Steelers fan everywhere. Manny Pacquiao. And so kudos to Heath Miller as he calls it quits after 11 seasons. Manny Pacquiao. You know, now he's been dropped by Nike, made some comments about, uh, gays that got him in some serious hot water, compared them to animals, and ultimately which led to him being dropped by Nike. And, you know, and Nike called the remarks abhorrent. Uh, abhorrent. And, and so now it's, you know, Manny lost, loses a little money, loses a little endorsements. But Manny has, you know, he did apologize. But he also believes what he believes, and he's sticking by what he believes, and he believes that, you know, he's not in favor of same-sex marriages. He's not in favor of it. He doesn't agree with it. And, you know, I mean, it, it is his right to say that if that, in fact, is what he believes. But I also think at the same time, you know, I think if he would have just did it a little differently instead of comparing them. And I know the, the, the climate and the culture is different in the Philippines, than it is in America in terms of how they feel about gay marriage in comparison to how America feels about gay marriage. It is totally different. But Nike has to sell. And so you, you can understand why Nike did what Nike did. I get it. I get it. I understand it. You know, I understand Nike's in the business of, of you know, selling sneakers and the business of selling product. They're in that, that's, in their, that's their business. So if that is their business, they're going to do what they got to do to protect their brand. And so if Manny Pacquiao making the comments that he made, 
affects their brand, then I can understand them doing what they did, and that is cutting ties with Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao still, you know, he kind of sticks. He sticks by his comments he, that he believes what he believes in. But I, I just think, you know, you, you you gotta you gotta be careful if you're Manny and how you say things, and, and anybody how you say things. You know, Manny in his comment, he said, "I'm sorry for hurting people by comparing homosexuals to animals." Please forgive me for, forgive me for those I've hurt. I still stand on on my belief that I'm against same-sex marriage because of what the Bible says. But I'm not condemning LGBT. I love you all and with the love of Lord, God bless you all and I'm praying for you. And and so I I honestly believe that he is sincere and contrite in his comments, but I also honestly believe that he believes what he believes. And I also believe that, you know, this is the way he feels. And, and and I don't know even if he would have said it in any which way. I don't know how he could, you know, I, I know how he could have said it to make it better, but I don't know if that still would have gotten him blasted or, or roasted by people. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this, and, and you know, when it comes to making comments about homosexuality, here in America you got to be careful, especially if you're trying to sell something. you got to be careful. Because they'll they'll come at you quickly, they'll come, you know, and and they'll come after you, and you know, and and so, at the end of the day, when you make comments like that, they come off as hurtful. And whether or not Manny is trying to be hurtful, it does come off as hurtful. I mean, there are a lot of people out here who don't agree with same-sex marriages, but you got to be, you know, when you start comparing it to animals and things of that nature, you kind of get yourself in trouble, and so. Unfortunately for Manny, he got himself in trouble. You know, Chris Broussard said he was against same-sex marriages, but, you know, he didn't get himself in trouble. He was articulate about it, you know? And, and that's what you got to be. you got to be articulate about it. And, and you know, everybody has a, a, a right to their opinion. Am I for same-sex marriage? Not necessarily, but, again, everybody has a right to their to their opinion. And, and so, you know, and, and at the end of the day, I don't hate nobody. I want you to be happy. If you, that, that's what makes you happy, be happy. I wish you nothing but the best. And Manny Pacquiao should have said the same thing. He wishes you nothing but the best. But he didn't do it. He did do it in his statement, but when you make that comparison to animals, you always go wrong. And, and it was a bad comparison. It was a bad, bad comparison. He could have just easily have said, you know, I am against, I don't support same-sex marriages because of my belief in the Bible and what the Bible says. And there's a lot of people who have that similar belief in the Bible and believe the same thing when it comes to same-sex marriage uh, in America and beyond. I want to thank Broncos linebacker Lorente McCray. I also want to thank Broncos guard Evan Mathis. I want to thank Joshua Ferguson, former University of Illinois running back, and I also want to thank Josh Hoverson, linebacker, Concordia University, St. Paul, for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this show, and other great shows, follow us on Twitter at go for it Again, for everybody here at go for it We hope you have a great weekend. See you next week. See you later. Take care. <laughs>